Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. And I am Haney. We're Native in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 201, recorded on June the 7th, 2022. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on nidipintech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. So this will be an interesting discussion, I think. I'm going to start with the less controversial things. I think that's <laughs> best for everybody's blood pressure. Yes. The, the, the also, the only things that we will talk about today, apart from Intune, that actually brings value of the of the news yes sorry of the news mm-hmm. so um what i put into our our one note was oh my god there's so <laughs> many things in power bi and that's actually true <laughs> because the amount of things that have dropped in power bi since the last time we did a recording is just staggering and the the bigger things are or the i'd, I'd say that the biggest thing as in what's gotten the most uh, headlines is the power bi data marts which is essentially a database, an Azure SQL Server database being managed by Power BI that you can drop the results of your Power Queries into. And this opens up a gazillion interesting opportunities. At the moment, it's a bit of an interesting piece of the puzzle that we don't know exactly where it goes. But used, or I should say, using enough force, I can fit it into any puzzle, which is not necessarily the way to go. Um, there are a lot of, of limitations. The opportunities are just endless. And there are so many people scrambling, trying to figure out where does this fit? I'm one of them. Um, I've, I've had a few conversations with others, and I don't know exactly where uh, data marts go. I mean, M- Matthew Roche, as always, put it in a very, very clear way. This is data flows with benefits. And that's true. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. It, it does so much more than, than data flows. But yeah, I'll, well, we'll see where it fits. The thing that you can access the database from just about anywhere, because it is an mm-hmm. Azure SQL database underneath, meaning that it exposes the SQL endpoint just like any other SQL database. That is extremely interesting. And I see a fantastic future for um, self-service data warehousing, actually. And also, you just moved from having a decent-sized handgun to shoot you in the foot to a regiment of howitzers shooting you in the foot. Because when someone screws up with, yeah, I don't know, 50,000 rows, it's not that big of a deal. But someone screws up with 500 million rows, it's going to be painful. So opportunities, but also some um, opportunities for for mistakes, I think. We also got the enhanced refresh REST API, meaning that we can do more uh, refreshes, essentially. This is, um, it was called the asynchronous refresh, and this has now become generally available in Power BI Premium, uh, PPU, and Embedded. So you can... Cancel an in-progress refresh operation, which is huge. You can check the status of a historical current and pending refreshes and all that kind of stuff. So this, it doesn't sound like much, but it's extremely useful for, for the admin. And speaking of REST stuff, execute queries. Previously, the only way that we could essentially interact with a Power BI dataset was through the XML endpoint. But now we can 
run DAX queries through a REST API. And that in turn means we can do a lot of interesting things through, for instance, Power Automate, which is extremely good at running REST API queries at anything. So again, it opens up so many interesting opportunities. And the size of the role of duct tape that we now have available is just phenomenal. <laughs> one, one does not simply not have a role of duct tape. And the last thing I'll say about Power BI stuff, it really uh, is close to heart for me because this is the integration with PowerPoint that we've been promised since February. It's actually here now. And holy crap, it is amazing. <laughs> it, it doesn't sound like much, but the ability to have a beautifully crafted story in PowerPoint, the tool that we all love and hate, and then just drop a full-size, full-fledged report in there. And it just works. So I can create, or essentially I, I can set my stage, I can create the context in PowerPoint, and then I move straight into the Power BI report to slice and dice and show the data as I see fit to fit my narrative. This is enormous. And just think of how many uh, boardrooms, essentially, that get data shipped to them in a PowerPoint file. Well, here you can have a PowerPoint file with the context, and then you can have the, the, um, the report inside it. So extremely interesting. Again, it doesn't sound like much, but wow, it opens up so many opportunities. I'll be quiet now for, for Power BI stuff for a while. Yeah, it just sounds weird, the things you get interested and excited about. Oh, we've me. had that conversation for <laughs> so many times. But, but I, I do see the, uh, like the, the thing that really makes sense and that I understand is the Power BI in PowerPoint. Yeah. So Truth. I wonder how long PowerPoint will stay in office and <laughs> not be moved into Power Platform. Because it's the original Don't give power. them any ideas. <laughs> it's, it's bad enough that Power BI is edging closer to the Power Platform. Yeah. You got the power. Yes. Oh, careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Yeah. Yes. But on to more interesting topics <laughs> of Azure Container Apps is generally available. I don't think I that word means what you think it means, but okay. <laughs> this is something you should get excited about. I'm so excited. <laughs> and please don't sing, Simon. <laughs> oh, well, we have Azure Container Apps that is generally available now. Uh, it has been in preview previously. And this kind of uh, brings more options to the container uh, services that we have available in Azure. So we have Azure Kubernetes Service, which is a full-on Kubernetes cluster. Uh, on the other hand, we have Azure Container Instances that have had a lot of limitations and essentially just like, yeah, maybe a single container you can run there, but not anything very complex. And also you've been able to run a container within an app service as well. So those have been the previous options. But now we also have Azure Container Apps as an option. And it kind of falls in between those previous options so that it is based on Kubernetes, but it removes a lot of the management overhead that is associated with setting up a Kubernetes cluster. So because if you do that, you need to figure out host pools and networking and ingresses, etc. And all that has been made a lot easier in Azure Container Apps. 
And for the general availability, they have also gotten a lot of important features to work and to ship with it. So, for example, VNet integration is right built in there. Uh, you can get Azure AD integrations to your web apps quite easily that you're running in there and uh, many other things. So it's really kind of one of those services that sounds really, really interesting to me and looking forward to see to all the things it can do. It already has a lot of those features in it that are really required to be able to even run production workloads on this one and really have a service that is based on Kubernetes, but removes all the nitty gritty management stuff that you need to do with a Kubernetes cluster. So really excited. Is it safe to say that this is sort of a kind of a um, Kubernetes as a service thingy? Somewhat. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> yeah. It is based on Kubernetes, but, uh, you know, even like, like Azure based on Kubernetes... a true story? <laughs> <laughs> even Azure Kubernetes service is a slightly more abstracted version of, like, if you were running your entire own Kubernetes cluster. So even Azure Kubernetes service already abstracts uh, a lot of the control plane things for you. So this just oh, really? takes it uh, uh, much, much, much further with that. And we both know that it's not pronounced Kubernetes. <laughs> yes, it's not. <laughs> it's actually called Cuban Eddies, and we yes. have the stickers to prove it. And AI yes. said so. Exactly. Yeah. AI is always right. And I, for one, I welcome our AI overlords. <laughs> All right. <laughs> should, should, should we wait? We, we'll wait with that topic. Yes. And head to some device management stuff. Sounds because good. one of my most exciting public previews is now out, which is Windows Auto Patch. And you might remember Windows Auto Patch from earlier this year uh, when it was announced during Ignite, if I'm not mistaken, which is basically you allowing Microsoft to manage your. Windows update, Office updates, Edge updates, and Teams updates for you. So Microsoft will use their machine learning models and their know-how of patch management, and you enroll your devices, and Microsoft will ensure that they get updated at the pace you want uh, in, in a logical way. So where they will build pilot groups consisting of devices um, that are a good representation of your entire state and then gradually roll it out. So you can now try that in public preview. Uh, and I think that a lot of organizations should really look into this. If you have struggled in keeping up, you can now enroll to the service, which is included as it looks today with your uh, E3 subscriptions and higher, and let someone else take care of patching. And then you can always blame Microsoft if something blows up, but it won't. It will work, and you will realize how slow you've been with patch management. This is available for your Intune-only managed devices as well as for your co-managed devices, uh, and I highly encourage you to try this out. I certainly will. And then, since it's a while ago since I spoke about the fabulous product Microsoft Intune, which Talking about names <laughs> is part of Microsoft Endpoint Manager. It's mm -hmm. time for some news. What's new in Intune? And I've 
chosen four small things. Uh, one of them are that we have new protected apps. So new apps that are part of the application application protection policies uh, within Intune. Basically meaning that if you install them on your mobile devices, an admin will be able to put them inside of a container, so to say, and ensure that you can't leak information from them. Uh, and it's a rather lengthy list this time with Microsoft Lists being added uh, and Microsoft Lens, which is great because then you can take a picture with Microsoft Lens and that will upload straight to OneDrive. And that's been a challenge uh, until now to get that to work. So you have your corporate camera app in a way. We also have a few other um, apps, but what I'm looking into is something called Secure Contacts, which just have been added, a German app that I hope will solve some of the challenging aspects of syncing your contacts to iCloud and Google, which in some people's views are a GDPR violation interesting bit there's a reason why i don't have contacts in my work phone uh, we have a ton of new mac os settings and i expect to get even more now after the announcement at worldwide De developer conference and we'll get back to my engagement with mac os later in this episode but it's a ton of new uh, settings for proxies for smart cards and for software updates we also now have a new way, a more user-friendly way of pushing universal printers to our uh, Intune managed devices so we can auto-populate whichever device gets access to whichever printer. And I know that I'm kind of the only person in the world who loves licenses and that actually <laughs> loves print solutions. Just yes, because you it's are. So, yeah, but it's so... like. The reason why I love printing is because no one else likes printing, which means that if oh. I do something good, everyone will be happy because I took care of it. So it's, oh. it's my way of survive. Like Good logic. We will, yeah, exactly. It's why do you like potatoes? Because we will always have <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> I did not um, understand exa that example at all. <laughs> neither did I. No. So let's leave that and go into the biggest news item of what's new in, in Microsoft Intune. We can now enroll straight into co-management. And that might not sound too much, but up until now, and co-management to explain that is when you have both configuration manager, so formerly SACM and Intune, that both take care of parts of the device management. Up until now, if you have used Windows Autopilot, you have first have to enroll into Intune. Intune will then push down the config manager client to the device, and that might take time. And then it takes time for it to onboard, and you need a lot of infrastructure to do that. Now, with this onboarding, it will actually enroll straight into co-management. So Microsoft will take full responsibility of installing uh, the config manager agent on the device and when it's done it's actually all the way done and you can start to push applications from config manager straight away so it simplifies a lot and it will significantly improve the speed of enrollment using windows autopilot 
Hooray. Hooray. Cool stuff. And it, it, it pains me to say that, but yeah, it, it actually sounds pretty, pretty useful. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, Heaney, <laughs> you put in yes. Azure Synapse link for SQL DB. And that, that's, that's both your side of the fence and my side of the fence. Well, I do think this is a really interesting feature in Synapse. So what this allows you to do is to connect and sync data from your Azure SQL or your SQL Server 2022 and kind of replicate that to your Synapse dedicated SQL pools. Note, dedicated SQL pools. So that's kind of one of the analytic engines you have available within Synapse Analytics. And what this relies on is the new change feed feature, both in SQL Server 2022, as well as Azure SQL. So that is what enables it to do this replication kind of continuously after the first um, kind of bigger sync. And it also uses the data lake that you have linked to your Synapse Analytics workspace as kind of a landing zone through which it pulls the data. And that makes it so that the load on your source system as is is as small as possible. So it definitely sounds interesting, but again, it's because it is to the dedicated SQL pools. It is a specific set of customers who will be interested in this specific feature. What are your thoughts, Alexander? I, I agree with everything you said, and I, I'm, I'm known to um, not be super happy with, with the dedicated pools because I think it is uh, outdated uh, compared to just about anything else in, in Azure. Having said that, it is still an extremely competent compute engine. But what I would much rather see is that we don't need to um, move the data at all. I would mm -hmm. much rather that um, dedicated pools were able to read the data from the source, wherever that may be. Mm -hmm. I, I can probably scream at the moon for this for quite some time, but until such time we get that functionality, this this is pure gold for the very specific use cases where you need to have extremely high-performing uh, OLTP workloads on an Azure mm -hmm. SQL or, or an on-prem SQL server, and then at the same time essentially do extremely heavy lifting with data warehouse loads in uh, the dedicated pool. Then it is fantastic. The fact that I don't need to fiddle around with with replication that at least going to give me maybe five or ten years of extended life compared yes. to having to do that manually just ask william durkin mm -hmm. <laughs> Did, have you heard the story of william past summit and replication no please tell no. us so the first time that william durkin went to uh past summit in seattle to speak uh he was chosen to speak on replication and he was thinking that maybe 20 people would show up because it's replication and no one in their <laughs> sane mind want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. He was wrong. <laughs> it was a standing room only. Hundreds of people wanted to come and listen to him talk about replication because no one in their sane mind would touch it with a 10-foot pole. And here comes William <laughs> not only touching it, but poking it with a stick. The thing is, William is extremely gifted at working with replication. So he had some pretty clever things to say, but we're kind of back to the potato analogy that <laughs> going you. with something that is ancient 
just because it's been there since time immemorial doesn't mean that you should not keep working on it. And and that I think that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So um, are we are we ready for the hot potato of the? Yeah, yeah I, I just that one. I, I just want to reach out to Bart Jacobs, which is a very much liked and loved listener of ours. Uh, and he reached out and asked if we could get a raw, uncut episode. He doesn't. He doesn't know what he's asking for. Let's let's just say that we started this recording six minutes too late. But we will do our best yes. to compensate for that now, because now let's enter naming of ridiculous products or non-products. Haney, take it yes. away. Well, on the data platform side of things, we have this new thing called. Microsoft Intelligent Data Platform, which sounds so cool. But what is it? <laughs> what is yeah, it? What is it? That, that's the million dollar question. So essentially this new service solution product, I don't know. Service solution <laughs> product. Wow, that's a wonderful word in, in itself. This kind of groups together all the different Azure database services, the analytics services, the data governance services. And if you go look at the documentation site, you can find like there's this section where you can find databases and under that you have Azure SQL, Azure Cosmos DB and so forth. And then you have an analytics portion that includes Synapse Analytics and Power BI and so forth. And then you have data governance that of course then includes Purview. But if I have not missed something completely, it seems that this is, this is not a product. It's just a name for all these different data analytics and governance services in the Azure and Microsoft arena. Alexander, am I missing something here? So the marketing people felt left out and they decided <laughs> to uh, come up with a new name. Yes. In, in many ways, I, I see Microsoft Marketing as Pokemon. You got to catch them all because if you turn your back, you're, they're going to come up with something new. Yes. So this kind of brings me to other things that I don't like, like Synapse. And this is where but, Haney and I but, was somewhat exactly. not on the same level. I'm of the opinion yes. that Synapse is not a service itself because Synapse is a mishmash of bits and pieces. Yes, but Synapse at least brings something new to the table and it tries exactly. to integrate yeah. those services. You have the spark pools that come in. It tries to make the note on tries to make the <laughs> networking easier for you. It tries to make the access management easier for you and maybe it will get there someday. But the intelligent data platform, it's not even pretending to try to do anything <laughs> to these services. It's just, hey, we have all these services here, and they are part of the intelligent data platform. Woohoo! It's an umbrella. <laughs> it is an umbrella, exactly. And, and it's not raining. It hasn't rained no. for years. We're in the no. middle of Arizona. <laughs> but... We, we then have Synapse, which actually brings something to it. I agree with Haney on that. We also have Defender, which makes sense because they can now claim that it's an XDR. It's a one portal, at least. Mm-hmm. You have That's Purview. something. Yeah, it's, it's something. It's more than Intelligent Data Platform can do. <laughs> um, and, and just for should, everyone's... Should we do a, a complete special on things that the Intelligent Data Platform can't do? <laughs> Yeah, what, do you probably. think Bart would approve of that? 
Yeah, uh, we, we have Purview, which actually introduced a few new products as well, uh, and then mishmashed it all and totally destroyed the good thing we had going with Microsoft 365 and the security and Defender stack. And then enters Entra, <laughs> which is even more ridiculous. It doesn't do anything. It's another portal, again. And it's a way to... Yeah, okay, We these products are not part of Microsoft Intelligent Data Platform, PureView, Defender, Synapse, whatever the other names are. Let's put them <laughs> together because it's identity solutions, which everyone loves. We do. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. But we don't need another umbrella. Come on. So do you think this makes it easier for people to understand what's no. going on? <laughs> no, because you, you still buy the same freaking licenses. You're, you're kind of angry, right? The only thing it does, it's basically... Okay, this is what it is. My daughter, she's five. When she was six months old, she got this traditional toy where you have a square, a triangle, a star, (laughs) and a cylinder. And it fits in one of these four holes. That's what these umbrellas are for. It's to make try to help people to figure out, okay, this product connects to this product. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, but you still don't know what to do with them. So what they have done is taking the green cube and made a purple cube-shaped hole. I'm, but If this gets me kicked out of the MVP program, I'm proud of doing this rant. <laughs> you're, you're not only angry, you're kind of furious, right? Yeah, but it, this was before we started recording, and I'm really sorry that we didn't start this recording when we actually got together. Yes. It's the first time I've seen Haney angry because I'm calm as a... Exactly. I'm, I'm calm as a filbunke. Oh, yeah. In comparison I to I, I'm Haney. pretty sure that you're, you're confurious. I'm confurious. <laughs> because and you're it's confused not, and you're furious. Yeah, and it's not often that we first and foremost get the name of the episode before we have started to record this. And it's mm-hmm. even more seldom that it's actually Alexander who is the creative one. <laughs> True story. Yeah. But now mm-hmm. we have we have also uh, lied to Alexander because we promised that it wouldn't take more than 20 minutes to go through all of this, but we can rant for 20 more minutes. So Alexander, please save us and take it to something that actually brings value, which is not these umbrellas in the middle of Death Valley. So I'm going to give you a bit of a top tip here. I think that could be useful for you as a parent because I knew that there was no way that you would stick to, to the specific times. So I said 20 minutes because I knew that I could at least keep you within 30 minutes. Ah. Oh, smart. Yeah. Would you like I've, to I've babysit my you. daughter? I don't think that would be a good idea for either of us, but yeah. Yeah. Let's know. So, um, talking, that was an actually a great segue. Talking, <laughs> for sure, talking about kindergarten. Uh-huh. Where's this going? Yeah, I'm, I want to talk about the changing face of events. Because I've been to a number of in in person events uh, since the pandemic started to recede, and it is different from mm-hmm. when 
well, the before times, as, as someone put it. Because in the before times, whipping up an event on a Saturday was more common than not. And people were happy. They they flocked to, to that event. We did the SQL Saturday in Stockholm in 2019. We had 280 people. And the reason why we didn't have more people than that was uh, we kind of screwed up marketing. Uh, we, we did too little too late, so we could easily had more people, even though the, the, the venue was kind of capped at 350-ish. Now, fast forward a couple of years to 2022, we did Data Saturday in Stockholm instead. We had 180 people signed up and 120-something show up. Okay, if you're used to running online events, having a 20 to 40% attrition rate, that's not strange. That's like the way people work. But I see this more and more in person as well. Mm-hmm. People who don't cancel, who just sign up. I mean, we had a couple of people from the other side of the world, literally. They were not planning on going at all because they hadn't realized it was not an online event. So people don't read. And I think, and I'm super curious to hear your view on this, I think people are changing their view on uh, working outside of work hours. Because what I've heard from a lot of people is, ooh, Saturday, mm, nah, that cuts into my, my family time, which I think is a great reason. Don't get me wrong, family time is extremely important. And what I'm talking about here is the shift from the before times where people were very happy to go outside of work to now where they go, well, nah, I'm not quite that interested in this. Uh, so what's your view on, on this? Well, I think we're in an interesting time because I think for some of us, the whole pandemic thing is totally over. And for some people, they're still aware of it and they might still be cautious because of it. And the thing is that how people relate to things changes anyways, all the time. So especially if you have a two-year pandemic happening, that is definitely going to change how people approach events. So I think still at this time, it's partly like why there's this big no-show, right? I think it's part because people still might assume that events are online. Yes, they could read, but it's kind of, that's bound to happen. Um, It's also bound to happen that somebody gets sick. They don't realize they need to inform. They're used to being able to pull out of an online event without having to notify anybody. So it's like, it's going to take some adjusting, getting used to how things work in person again. And that is just, I think, kind of inevitable. And yeah, I think many people's priorities have also changed during the pandemic. And I think in-person events are still super valuable and meeting people and talking to people face-to-face. But yeah, it might not be reasonable for everyone to do that on a Saturday. And I think that's completely understandable. And this is actually quite interesting because I think the data community especially, are the only community that is used in doing that on the weekends. Because I've very, very rarely been to an event in a weekend, if it's not like a pre-day of a conference, which might be on a Sunday. 
but I've never, I think, experienced that you arrange a user group or a bigger conference on a weekend in my part of the community. Hmm. Interesting. And I, I, I don't know why that is, but I've always, I think you have worked up such a great brand in the SQL Saturday and now Data Saturday. And that's, it's like part of the data platform or whatever. Sorry, Microsoft Intelligent Data Platform. <laughs> no! <laughs> Community. <Yes>. No. <laughs> no, I, I do think that that's my first thought on this, that I Good haven't point. seen that. Yeah, but I'm now seeing like we have um, South Coast Summit that will be on a Friday and Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. We have Scottish Summit, which I think is the same. We have several yeah. other conferences that works the same way. And I don't really understand why. Because I do also think that everyone sort of kind of have adopted new habits, regardless of that, if that's at home or whatever. But I think we, we have more things to do. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the first person, like, Alexander knows that I'm terrible at saying <laughs> no and, and cancelling things. Just look at me during the pandemic. Why have I been more stressed than ever before? Because I filled the time I used to spend in airports catching up on work with tons of other things. We have talked about this. I've never felt more distance to my family than during the pandemic. Because I've had had a very, very hard time to separate that. And that's why I actually have used my weekends for. It's a clear break. So I... I and also, I do think it's a lot in. A lot of people expect events to be hybrid. A lot of people expect to get the recording mm -hmm. softwares. I, I do think that a lot of employers still can't understand why would you go there in person. Um, and I think uh, I've, a lot of colleagues have said that and others in the community. I think we will have this year to adopt back. Yes. And I wonder what happens if we get another wave of COVID or something else. Mm. But I do think this year will be the, the normalizer, so to say. Um, and that everyone, myself and, and you included, that are organizers and, and co-hosts and so on, will have to make the best of this year because mm -hmm. it's next year that we will possibly see something similar to the events we were used to prior to COVID. Yeah, and maybe think about it from the perspective of how can we what should we be doing differently with our events mm -hmm. is there something that we should be doing in a different way so that it is more valuable to people and doesn't just feel like time lost and it's kind of an opportunity to get a little creative and see if we can come yeah. up with something else and, and I personally do think that Workplace Ninja Summit and MMS in the States have shown the direction we need to take in-person only events no recordings no streaming just be there and the content is superb and you get access to the speakers you get access to the product teams it's a real gathering of the brightest minds and only the mm. brightest minds uh, and it's expensive enough and expensive in a positive way to ensure that you get valuable and and i'm not saying that an event should be expensive 
running a free event myself, we do it to be inclusive. But I do think a cost will be needed in the future to ensure that high quality. And then we also need to realize, or the community need to realize that you can't expect all events to be free moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because like it's it's rough. And everyone says we don't want only sponsor sessions but we want, don't want to pay either okay <laughs> so how are we supposed to fix this <laughs> and I, yeah. I think and this is a definitely a, a very sharp opinion i think that the the prevalence of all these online free events have diluted the quality mm-hmm. and the offering like you would not believe yes, yes. on one side it is inclusive but the price for this is a heavy price when it comes to quality. Um, yes. And I'm sure that I'm going to get backlash, but that's, that's my opinion. It has impacted the behavior of people at live, uh, yeah, live events as well. Mm-hmm. Because when you specifically email people multiple times saying, we only have a number of limited seats. If you're not going to attend, please tell us so we can give that seat to someone else. And still... You mm-hmm. don't. I, yes, I'm, I'm sure that we need to readapt, but in many ways we need to readapt and learn how to interact with people, how to behave like adults again. That has apparently been lost in, in some cases. And that, I, I think, is, is unfortunate. Would you dare to send out an email a week before and say, if you don't reply to this, we will cancel? And that I, would be I think, one way. I think it would work. And if someone shows up and say, hey, I missed this, they are still there. Let them in. Sure. I, I think that would actually work. And, and also to circle back to what you said, things need to have a price in order to be valued. Mm-hmm. Yes. So th- there, there is this, uh, this uh, I don't know if it's uh, a universal saying, I'm, I'm curious to hear your views on this, Haney. In, in Sweden, you're not supposed to give away a, an animal. You're not supposed to give away a, a kitten or a puppy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're supposed to pay for it, even if it's just one krona per paw, if you will. But the, the symbol of paying something, giving something for this life that you're, you're being interested, I think that needs to come out and play with events as well. And even if it's like a thousand Swedish kronas, a hundred euros, that is still high enough to get people to think twice about just doing a no-show. Mm-hmm. Being, as you said, Simon, an, an organizer, and we're all organizers, and we still have no idea why we're dumb enough to do organizing <laughs> because it kind of erodes my faith in humanity. Um, I, I see all the things that all these amazing organizers do, mm-hmm. and I know how hard it is to create a live event. I know also how not hard it is to create and a virtual event. But I see all these, this work put in and I see all this crap coming their way. So I, I come back to, I want people to start behaving like adults again. I'll get off my soapbox now. So speaking of events, <laughs> Haney and I'm I I'm exhausted. To, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Haney and I went to Data Grillen and Data Grillen has this unique place in my heart. I am going to go ahead and say that it is the premier data platform event in the world. Uh, and I know it's 
comparing apples to trombones, if you want to compare that to Pass Summit or Ignite, that's fine. It's a whole different ballgame. And as you said, Simon, the access to speakers, the interaction between the audience and the speaker and the world class level of the speakers, it's it's unlike anything else. And it's great barbecue unless you get stuck in Germany. <laughs> and that's a whole different story. Let's just say that I, I managed to get to my brother's wedding with very little time to spare. Did but yeah, he no, that's, get that's a rant for another episode. He did get married. And, and he, <laughs> I must say he did get married very well. Um, ah, congratulations. So, yeah. Are the dates for Data Grillin next year set? No. So what always happens is that William and Ben unveil the dates for the next year mm-hmm. as the, the as they do the, the keynote. That was not the case this time because it is not entirely sure that there will be a data agreement mm-hmm. next year. Okay. Uh, for a lot of reasons, and one of them mm-hmm. being that both Ben and, and uh, William are absolutely exhausted from doing this event mm-hmm. because of a thousand reasons um, and, and people mm-hmm. being foremost of them. So we'll yeah. see. I, I hope that's going to be the case, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah, because yeah, I want to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be awesome. I think you would love it. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you, could, you could really get a handle on so many of the data platforms, things that may or may not confuriate you. <laughs> Microsoft Intelligence Data Platform. <laughs> I think we can do, Haney, we need to do a roast session. Oh. <gasps> Oh, that would be fun. Yes, you heard it here first, people. But uh, you've had a long journey getting to Grillen because that's where your journey should have started, right? Yes. Uh, So before this whole COVID thing started, I had been chosen to data Grillen in 2020 on the newcomer track. But what ended up happening was there was no data Krillin because of COVID. So instead, uh, Ben and William uh, started this new type of event called New Stars of Data. And that is then where, where I did my very first session in August of 2022. No, 2020, I mean. And now <laughs> finally in 2022, I managed to get to data Krillin. Finally. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And you actually got to stay and have the the uh, barbecue as well. Was it good? Yes, <sighs> it was good. <laughs> it was very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Excited finish face. <laughs> <laughs> you could Google that, and yeah, you're, you're. Now I'm curious. I wonder where I'm yeah. getting. Yeah, Please. don't Google that. I, I I would go. I would Google it. <laughs> <laughs> While Simon is googling, uh, Haney, you're going to the Scottish summit as well. Yes, so I leave in about two days to go to Glasgow for Scottish Summit. Uh, that's going to be Friday, Saturday, uh, kind of everything on the Microsoft data platform. No, not just the data platform side, Microsoft platform side. So Microsoft 365, the things that Simon does, uh, the data <laughs> side, <laughs> Azure, Azure infrastructure stuff. And so it's going to be interesting. I haven't really been out side of the data community so much in live events yet so it's going to be an interesting experience are they going to have anything on microsoft entra i haven't checked but this event was supposed to be in february so unless somebody has changed their topic 
I would think not, because that wasn't announced yet. True. We'll see. I'm a little bit disappointed by my Googling. Oh, no. But, uh, a lot of people are. Kim- Kimi Reikonen was <laughs> probably the <laughs> most applicable. <laughs> yes, the Iceman is, is very excited. Yes. And I'm very sad not to be joining in Scotland. But uh, sometime during the fall. Uh, AVD TechFest, which were postponed, uh, is now going ahead. <laughs> In uh, Amsterdam, September 1st. It's free now. So please join us on site in Amsterdam if you want to catch these fantastic sessions and meet our amazing sponsors that makes this event free. And hopefully you're actually going to be able to get to Amsterdam in September. Yeah, why shouldn't I? Have I missed something? You do know that this weekend... KLM cancelled just about every flight going to Schiphol. Yeah, but th- that's this weekend. Right. Uh, and then I have, I'm have. i actually going to the States <gasps> for an in-person event. Uh, I've been invited to speak at the JNUC conference or Jamf Nation user conference in San Diego in late September. Ah, uh, and exciting. Yeah, and this is actually my third time I'm speaking at JNUC. The former two have been virtual, uh, so it's it will be fantastic to actually go there. Uh, and I can't wait to talk about, and this is the exciting bit, who would have thought that Mr. Simon Binder, Mr. Windows, would go to San Diego to speak at the top Apple event in the world and tell them how to convince their managers that they should embrace Mac OS in their organization. Because I don't, I think that if you are not, you are missing out on a lot of talent. And there are no reasons why you shouldn't embrace Mac OS as a first-class citizen within your organization on equal terms with Windows and Linux. And Point. on that bombshell, <laughs> actually, uh, it is time to end. Um, we were just slightly over time, which is a definite step in the right direction mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. this post five-year thing has really made us grow up <laughs> and really yes. yeah no but we'll be back in two weeks mm-hmm. and we have some really exciting fun things coming up for a conference in the near future as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we'll be back in two weeks and until then have a great time bye 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Need in Tech. Need in Tech is a bi-weekly technology podcast hosted by Alexander Arvidsson, Simon Binder, and Heini Hilmaninen. If you have any feedback, questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needinbintech.com. <laughs>